You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. 59 years ago this Friday, June the 17th, 1963. Our political parties felt like it might be wise, and the Supreme Court justified it, said, we do not want the Bible and prayer in our public schools. 59 years ago, and I remember those high school days, I want you to know something. We didn't have young people talking about abortions. It wasn't even legal. In any way you want to figure out, are we for it or against it? God's against it. God is a God of life. And before you informed Psalm 139, God knew your substance. And when they were in the innermost part of your mother's womb, he knew who you were. Now, you don't have the right to chop up a baby and suck its parts out of the mother's womb. Now, that's not popular speaking. It'll probably take me off Facebook or whatever we're on. We're going to have to value life, but you can't tell for 59 years a generation of teenagers that it's okay to take a life, and then we're wondering why. By the way, 59 years ago when I, I was in school, we weren't having gunmen on the campus. So what we've got to do is we've got to, no, no, you're not going to legislate the hand or the head. It's got to be a change of the heart. And Supreme Court, you decided we didn't need prayer. How are we doing? You decided we did not need God in our schools. How are we doing with our fence communities and metal detectors and police? How are we doing? Well, we got to get rid of guns. Uh, There was some reason 246 years ago that Amendment 2 they put in there to protect us. Any communist, socialist country will always confiscate your defense. Government doesn't need to be right. I'm going to have fun with this one this morning because I'm just going to unload the truck. I'm telling you, government does not need to take care of your health. When they take care of your health, all of a sudden, guess what? They own you. Let's go back to COVID. You can do what you want. You want that booster and the shot and the second one, the third, and most companies are making you do it if that's what you want. But can anybody tell me, because you cannot, what ingredients are in the shot? Can anybody? Because they won't publish it. NIH won't publish it. Nobody will publish it. What's the ingredient? And by the way, after six months study, what are the side effects? You don't know a drug for 20, 30, 40 years. But government said we need this. We are getting to the point that we think government needs to handle everything. You vote for me, I'll, I'll solve the homeless. Homeless. I remember working in the grocery store when LBJ said that. He said, we got a new thing called the Great Society, and we're to give you food stamps, and they call it that, coupon books for food. And now all of a sudden, they said, in just five years, we will have no poverty in America. How we doing, LBJ? He was the president. How we doing, Supreme Court? We never had yoga on our public schools. Now we have yoga. What's yoga? What's so wrong with that? Eastern religion. Study. It's Eastern religion. 
How can we can learn in public schools about Muslims if you can't learn about Jesus? It's part of the curriculum. So I don't like this. Well, I'm not here to win the Man of the Year award. You see, you empty the church. It's not my job to fill it. Jesus said upon this rock, I, I will build my church. This church may split on me. You may vote me out. You might. Just, I've seen crazier things than that happen. I see people say, well, he's, he, he, he told that story three times now, so he's losing it. I've lost it long before now, ladies and gentlemen. But by the grace of God, we're going to stick with this book around here. Adultery is sin. Sodomy is sin. Well, the Speaker of the House sh- showed up on a show this last week with the transvestites and applauded that we have this wonderful thing going on for children in America called, I wish you'd just take care of her drunken husband. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot flaunt this sin in the face of God much longer. Spit in the eye of God. Sodomy is sin. Drunkenness is sin. Drugs, in the last day, they will give themselves over to sorcery, which is the Greek word pharmakia, which just simply means to drugs. And they will not repent of their drugs, the Bible says, Revelation chapter 19. It's about the time we get God back in this country. And the reason why God's not in the country, because God has been kicked out of our churches. 380,000 churches in America, they'll all be closed, but just a handful tonight. We don't need less church. We need more church as the day approaches. In this text, God speaks to us through a man who's on his farewell journey. And as you're passing through on his way to go die, he said, and now, and now, he's talking about the verses following, take heed, verse 28, to yourself, take heed to the sheep. Take heed to the, 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 uh, the false wolves coming in. Also, of your own selves, in your own church, they're going to come in. Take heed. Pay attention. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. The old preacher in the 1800s, D.L. Moody, who crisscrossed this country and shook two continents with the gospel, D.L. Moody said this, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And today, every child of God must get in the Bible. If you want to take a country over, that's what communism does. First thing, they confiscate Bibles. Hitler, you've seen the pictures of it. Hitler went door to door. Because they had to register what they were. If they were Christians, went door to door and finding Bibles. And then there's pictures where he put them in the town square for everybody to see. And he burned the Bibles. So how did he become, how did he become a political leader? First of all, he promised them all food on the table. And he promised them that everyone would have a vehicle. And they bought into it. Oh, you're going to do this for me? When people do things for you, government, it's to control you. Stop swallowing the pill. Government should not control. If a man will not work, he should not eat. I I, I felt so badly. I passed a guy on an island this week. There he was. He had the sign, and it said he was a vet, and he had just a peg leg, a steel leg. I didn't have a dime. I wanted to give him money. If that's a vet, if he was a, 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 a vet and he was injured, I'm sure he's got programs about that. My heart goes out to that. 
but I'm not going to help anybody that won't work. And this is the church that spends millions on programs, whether it's be a bus or worldwide missions to help people on the journey of life. Oh, this is the church that buys the U-Haul truckloads almost every year of Christmas trees and Christmas decorations and Christmas presents and takes them to the area. This is the church that helps this area. This is the church that tries to help people that, that need help indeed. But you're wrong if you're helping someone that has an able-bodied person. If a man will not work, get back to my man will not work. He's better not eat. It's tough. See how quiet it gets in here? Need to work. Get out of bed and work. It's a novelty. This book, written over between 1,600 and 2,000 years, over 40 authors, but it all weaves together. Hasn't changed. 44 authors were used, over 40 authors used, and this book comforts you in the midnight hour. It convicts you and me. It corrects us, and it changes lives. It changes lives. I want to speak to you this morning for a few moments on the power of the Word of God. The power of the Word of God. It's the greatest book that's ever been written. The first attack that was ever in the Bible was on the Bible. Genesis 3, 1, Satan said, hath God said, putting doubt on the Scriptures. There's a song in the 70s that was popular God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I like the song, but regardless if I believe it or not, it's still settled. Forever, O Lord, Lord, is thy word settled. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You're stumbling in darkness, I stumble in darkness. God's word will bring light to the word of to our lives. The Bible says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking, taking heed to the word. Some of you would remember Dr. Lester Roloff. He died at age 68. I was driving my car past these tennis courts probably 30-some years ago now, and KCBS said, Evangelist Lester Roloff just died. Plane crash. I've stood at that wreckage of that plane to see it. I was at the funeral where 10,000 people came in Texas to his ministry there and, and, and came to that funeral. You got off the airplane and every, every newspaper from Dallas and Fort Worth and Corpus Christi, they all had headlines, Evangelist dies. Lester Roth, he had a homes for boys and girls. The courts would assign them to him and they'd sentence them to go to their homes. He'd have seven, 800 young ladies in one home. And then over here in another city, he had the boys home and he had to get on a plane every day, preach and get on a plane and fly somewhere off the property there, those fields and put the kids working on farms. And every single night had services and preach. I used to listen on the radio here at night, live coming from Corpus Christi. And he said, we're, we're not having talent. He, he, was, he was funny. He wouldn't drink coffee. He, you, he, he was against everything. I'm against a lot, but not a cup of coffee. I mean, come on now. There's somewhere in the Bible, thou shalt have a cup of coffee every morning, I guess. And not decaf. You decaf people, I want to see you at the altar here in just a few moments here. You better get right this morning. But he'd preach, and he believed in one thing, a lot of singing, a lot of preaching, and long. And he'd preach and preach, and they're scattered all over the country now, preachers and and, and preachers wise that were saved under his ministry. Thank God for the word of God. The word of God is quick, it's alive, 
powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's still the number one seller in all the world. Every year it outsells everything else, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Oh, don't, don't mistreat the Bible. Don't neglect the Bible. God's word, hide it in your heart that we may not sin. Let's take a look at the text. Some observation. The Bible demonstrates and contains grace. And now, brethren, I commend you unto the word of his grace. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. God loves you. Mr. Newton that wrote Amazing Grace whose mother died young and his dad took him to the sea and he became a vile, wicked man. John Newton would, would, would take slaves and hurt slaves, not just one race, but anybody that was slaved in, in countries of the world, put them on ships and they, they, made, they were taskmasters. He'd beat them, he was so vile. He'd swear at them, he was so mad at God and mad at the world because of the death of his mother and his dad was a drunkard and a seaman. Oh, it was a wicked life. And one day those people turned on him, those people on those ships and they put him in a cage on board and began to beat him. And in time he looked up and said, there is a God and I need that God. John Newton got saved and wrote the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that would save a wretch like grace. When God reached down his hand to save my sorry soul, I, I know I was young, but I was a liar. I was a cheat. I was a deceiver. Everything wrong with me that could be wrong was that that's who I was, even as a young boy. I'd get such anger in my heart and angry in my spirit. Oh, that beautiful night. A Sunday night in church as our pastor preached 65 years ago. He reached out his hand and saved my sorry soul. That's called grace. I didn't deserve the grace of God. Were it not for grace, I'll tell you where I'd be. I'd be dead by now if it wasn't the grace of God. Don't you tell me how bad you've been and you don't deserve grace. None of us deserve grace. Sometimes, well, pastor, you don't understand. You were in Sunday school. I know all that. But I'm as just as much a sinner as anyone else. I'm just a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. God reached out his hand. And I thank God for grace today. Grace means I've been forgiven. Grace means I've experienced mercy. Grace means that I've been accepted in the blood. Grace means I'm a child of God. Grace means I've been adopted into the family of God. Grace means I'm a child of the King. I'm grateful for grace. And Paul's going to die. And he said, I want to just tell you, I give you to the Word of God. You'll find grace right here. You people that are attacking yourselves for your failures. Things you've done this week or this month or this year, or decisions you've made and you keep attacking yourself, there's not a one of us that could not attack ourselves for our failures. Stop the attack because really what you're doing, you're attacking God.
been here so long. I've dealt, I've dealt with so many drug addicts. So many that came and said, I'm giving up my drugs, and here they are. And just two weeks later, they're back on it. it I, I've never experienced that, but I imagine it must be nigh to impossible. That controls you, it bites you, gets you. I've seen so much liquor poured down the sewer, and that's probably against the environment now. I guard, try to guard it, what I said about drugs. I didn't, I didn't say it went where it went, but it, it, it disappeared. I've watched so many people bring their liquor and only to fall back in it. You're, you're not going to find me finding fault with you. It's just the grace of God. I didn't touch it. No, no, no. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. He's passed away, but one of the greatest preachers I, I, I remember became so weak physically with pain. And the doctor got him on drugs and before you knew it, he was a drug addict and before you knew it, he was a drunk and he literally died in a gutter. I'll never mention his name. So are you preachers, you're all phonies. Probably. We're all wretched man that I am. Stop, stop looking to everybody else how bad they are. My heart aches for that wife, that, that family. I know a good preacher. I've still got his books in my library. One of the greatest preachers in America. And he, he did something very foolish. He, he, he was unfaithful to his wife. And then, and then got it confessed to his church. But he couldn't get victory over how he failed the people. And one day he went and he took a gun. He shot his brains out and died. I know folks that find glee, ah, preacher, they're all fakes, all phony. You can say what you want, but for the grace of God, there go I. Stop attacking people that are struggling with things. Turn them back to the Bible, and the Bible will find grace. But not only do we find grace, we find growth. And now, brethren, I commend you to God, the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. See what you're doing with whatever sin you're facing? You keep tearing yourself down. That's what the devil does when we fail in our Christian life. He always, you can do this, you can do this, it's okay. That church has all these rules. You don't need to obey that. You don't need to follow that. And he gets you to do what you don't want to do, but your flesh wants to do, and you do it. And then you think, oh boy, and he'll attack you with guilt. You big jerk. I'm not a counselor. I wish I could preach it away from you, counselor. I don't know what to, I wish I could get you to realize that that's the devil. I, I, I was, she might be, I was talking to one of our dear sweet ladies a few weeks ago, and about a couple of months ago, and she said, no, I'll go to Sunday school, but I won't come to church, Pastor. And she said to me, I'm not worthy to go in there. And she just puts judgment on her life. This is God's house. And God said, whosoever will, let him come. The doors are open. Come on in. 
So, I'm not making light of it. There was adultery. There was fornication. There was drunkenness. There was lying. There was tax embezzling. There was this. There was that. All these things. There's drugs. And I, we're not for it. You're not for it. I'm not for it. But you failed. But get back on. Get back in this thing. And the Word of God, the Word of God will grow you up. The world tears us down. The flesh tears us down. The devil tears us down. The, the devil tries to destroy our home. But God's Word will build a life. It will build a marriage. It will build a family. It will build a church. It will build a country. Back to the Bible. Lastly, I find that there's grace in the Bible and there's growth in the Bible. I find it's a gift. You see that? Now, brethren, he knows he's not coming back. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. There's growth. And he gave you an inheritance. Inheritance is to receive something of great value. My wife and I have never been rich. Rich, we, we don't, and it's not, if you have a cabin and a boat and a this or a that, I'm happy for you. We've never had that, and we don't want it. Where would I park a boat? Your yard, I guess. We've not had and, and you've taken such beyond good care of us, so I'm not attacking you at all. But the truth is, our investment's been here. You could ask the business manager to look at our giving records the last 46 years, and you'll see it. We've invested our life here. We've invested our pocketbook here. We love it. But we're hoping that the day when we die, that this man who's our son-in-law and his wife and our three kids, we hope we can leave them an inheritance. I hope, uh, I, I've got some things in my, I've given my Bibles all away. I still probably have 20 left. I've given all my boys, all three of them. They're all three preachers. I've given them all Bibles. I don't want to, i got three grand, two grandkids in here right now. We have 14. Everyone, we, we set aside, I've got a jar with their name on it. Everyone, all 14, full of pennies, each one, and nickels, each one, and dimes, each one, and quarters, each one. That's a little thing. Tabitha knows where to go to find those things. We've got a trust, we've got a will, will set up. I hope I can bless this church. I hope we can bless our family with an inheritance. Not just money. And don't look into, if you go, you know how to probably log into my, my savings account has $100 in it. I, I, no, no, we don't have a lot of money. But I hope we can leave them an inheritance of a heritage and of the Bible. And I hope somehow there could be some life insurance that maybe it could make their lives easier. That's giving some value to somebody. Paul said, I'm giving you a book that has great value. Yes. Great value. 
You know, the Bible's so amazing. My father-in-law pastored the same church 57 years, and I can remember asking him when we were coming here. I said, I'm just nervous about, I want to stay 50 years, but if I do, how will I have enough material to keep it fresh? He said, son, you'll just stay in that book. You'll never run out. Now, as I get older, there is more of this book I haven't preached than I've preached. I, I preach every week of my life during school, elementary chapel, high school chapel, college chapel, a preacher boys class. I preach five times on the radio each week. I have a live broadcast for an hour every week. I'm in this book all the time. been teaching Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all these years. And you cannot exhaust the Bible. You imagine taking, if I gave you a science book 50 years ago, and say, now preach for it five to 10, 15 times a week. And so I go to church on Wednesday night. Now Pastor Cooper preaches every Wednesday. There is not a Wednesday goes by that he doesn't say something. Our series for about 10 weeks on faith, every week he said something. It's there all the time. It's been right there. I didn't see it that way. God opens my eyes to the Word of God. We're on the presence of God now, two weeks on Wednesday night. He, he's saying things, and it's right there. Why didn't I see that? Because I love this old Bible. It is something amazing. And it's an inheritance, and it's a gift to me. And it's a gift to you. Get in the Word of God. Read it. In about three weeks, we're going to begin with Sunday night with the youth hour to give you the instructions, getting ready for the fall. And here's how you have a daily walk with God. Here's how you can search the scriptures, eight, 10, 12 verses a day and, and get in Proverbs every day and get in Psalms every day. Get in the word of God every day. He said, well, kids can't understand this book. They understand computers and, social, and all these devices. They're smart, they're not foolish. And there's not one six syllable word in the Bible. They could know the Bible. Next week is Father's Day. The goal is to get America's men back to the Bible. Deuteronomy 4, 2, you shall not add to the words that I command you. Neither shall you diminish it aught. Keep the commandments of your Lord your God which I command you. These modern day versions are removing the word blood. But without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. I received a Bible in 1969, good news for modern man. Someone gave it to me, it's still my library. It said, here's a gift as you're in college. And they meant well. But I remember coming to that verse, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. But it didn't say a virgin shall conceive, it said a girl shall conceive. There's a big difference between a virgin and a girl. We've removed the blood from the Bible. A lady was dying. They summons the pastor to come in an East Texas town. And they said, he says, is there something you'd like me to read from your Bible? She goes, no, not really. He goes, I, I feel like I should read something you're going to cross over. I, I feel like I should read something from your Bible. She goes, no, I don't, I don't, I don't need it, pastor. She had been in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night her whole life. She goes, he said, it's strange, you don't want something. And she goes, well, you can do it if you want. There's my Bible right there. And he picked it up, and there was pages missing and verses missing. 
And he said, it's such a thin Bible. What happened to all the books of the Bible? What happened to all these verses? I'm going to some texts and you removed them. And she said, well, pastor, I've been in this church over 50 years. And every time you said this is not in the original, I just cut the verse out. If it's not there, I don't want it. And that's what I have left. Don't you start adding and subtracting from the book. God said it, and that settles it. So we think of King Manasseh. I think of this day, and I'll close with this. I have more to say, but I've said enough. King Manasseh was about as wicked of the king you can get. He had his children to to pass through the fire. Who who would ever hurt kids? He was just wicked. He, He got rid of everything. He got rid of the Bible. They call it the book. Got rid of it all. And the next, his son followed his ways just as wicked. But a few years later, there was a grandson that showed up. He was an eight-year-old boy. His name was Josiah. And at age eight, he decided, I'm going to do right for God. My dad did not. My grandpa did not. But I'm going to do it right. And at age 16, he took the throne and began to make, and he brought and he, he brought, they closed the doors of the church, sort of like what we're doing in America today. And he opened the doors back up. And he instituted, let's get back to the Bible, let's get back to cleaning this church up. And they began to clean the church up and repair the church. And probably about 30 times, I guess, in Second Chronicles, you'll see it in this text, chapter 34 and 35. They, they found the book. 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 You know where they found the book? In the church house. Grandpa got rid of all the Bibles, all the books, all the law that he could, but the place he never went to was the house of God, and there was the book. And he commanded the people to read the Word of God again. And a great revival took place because they got back to the book. I, I don't buy into My wife, we agree. We, we don't buy into this thing. It's over for America. I think we've lost the millennial generation. I think we've lost that generation. And their kids, I think we've about lost them. I'm preparing a message. I'm going to tell you, I still think there's hope because we've got this Z generation coming on. I still believe there's hope because maybe Manasseh messed up. Maybe in my generation that we didn't have to fight a war. I know there's Vietnam War, but my generation, like my father's generation, we had to, my grandfather, World War I. My father's generation, World War II. My father's generation and grandfather, the Great Depression, the Dust Bowl. My grandfather, all my father, all these people, Rosie the Riveter, they put them to work and God bless those dear ladies and tried to raise kids and dad went to battle and many of them did not come home. 80 million people died in that war. World War II. That generation had grit. And my generation said, okay, we, we want to have no rules in our school. And we don't want the Bible in our schools. And we don't want prayer in our schools. And we don't want you. I remember two boys were sent home from school, 1968 in high school, because their hair was just touching the top of their ear. And our public school principal, 2,500 young people said, you're not going to have long hair in this school. Look at, look at 1962, I think it was, when the Beatles came. Look at their picture. Preachers all over America say, oh, long-haired boys from London. Two of them had hair, of course, 
Two of them had hair shorter than mine on the sides. One had it touching the ears, one was just a little bit off, but they called, and, and we don't want that here. Oh my goodness, we have that in our church now. That's tame, you can understand the words. But might it be that there just might be a Josiah coming up. And my generation that fails you, free love generation, and hate Ashbury generation, and drugs generation, Maybe my generation that messed you up so much and the next generation that followed in our footsteps, maybe the next generation. We'll say, let's get back to the book. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.